Hi everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Last episode I provided a background on my surgeries and this episode I want to dive a little deeper and talk more in depth about my surgeries and my doctors that performed them. So the first doctor that I met was Dr. Jordan. Um, He was the trauma surgeon and one of the few doctors in the surgery that basically stabilized me. He had a very big impact on me from the beginning. Um, He was kind of like a mythical creature in a way. Like I would always hear about him from nurses, doctors, and then even like my parents. Um, My mom would tell me that he would always just come in in these crazy outfits and we would always, I, I would always just be asking her, like, okay, what's he wearing today? What's he wearing? What's he wearing? Because he would be wearing, like, some suspenders with, like, some corduroy pants and, like, some glasses that the lenses were in with, like, a beanie, just bright colors, bright colors. Like, you look at the guy and you're like, there's no way he's a doctor, like, by any means, you know what I mean? Like, totally just, like, he's he totally has, like, a life outside of, like, a doctor. Like, it's just, it's kind of cool to just see someone um like that like in that field like kind of relate because he was he ended up talking to me about like streetwear brands and like put me on to like clothing which is not something that you really expect to hear from like your 50 year old doctor um but the first time uh he was really introduced was like the icu like i was saying and my sister chloe she was hyperventilating about the situation and he was just brutally honest. He was like, you need to calm down. Like, you need to just chill out. Like, everything's going to be just fine. And Chloe's probably just like, oh, my gosh, I'm petrified. And, like, that's the last thing I want to hear. But he was just, like, blunt. But he's just like, what What really can you do? Like, nothing that you can do, you freaking out. Like, that's just going to make the situation worse. Like, he was just blunt but to the point, like, straight up. Um, and so I get, I kind of developed, like, a relationship with him throughout the whole journey because he was like the first doctor in uh he was always in checking in on me and he was like one of the main doctors in and out in and out and he ended up uh helping me name the podcast uh he this was this is a little into the future but it was just a brief like one of my first appointments he he said just shortly like a year from now this will all be water under the bridge And that just kind of stuck with me like that just goes to show like the type of person that he was like and he just he really cares like about his patients it was more than just like a surgery and whatnot uh we had like a connection and like a relationship and he just helped really helped me basically like maintain positivity and know that everything was going to be okay in the end um that there was going to be a greener side of the pasture if you will um and then the other doctor in kind of at the beginning was Dr. Mealy. He was my bone doctor. Um, I called him the bulldog because he was just like constantly like almost like twitching. This is just like my memory of him on like morphine and just like seeing him like, like this was just like my first initial reaction is I called him like the bulldog, the bulldog. And I was like, oh man, he just wants to cut. He just wants to cut. And I just thought it was so funny, but like I was like obsessed with the dude. Like he uh he he just would he would show up in like scrubs and like a patagonia jacket to work and i was just like oh yeah like he just doesn't care he doesn't give a damn like that's the type of attitude i want he just comes comes to work cuts up people 
goes home, does his thing. I was just like so obsessed with that. I don't know what it was, but I just kept telling everyone. I was like, I just want to dress like him. I want to act like him. Like him and him and Dr. Jordan are totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And I wanted to like emulate their style as doctors. It was hilarious. So he was he was the bone doctor. He was he was in charge of the right femur, the left femur, the right tibia, um, the rods and the screws. Um, um, he was he was a doctor that they would go to with like questions about something looking wrong, something looking wrong. Um, what like if, or if there was any problems, they would go to him. Um, he he was the doctor in on my left femur. And so my left femur has a butterfly fracture. And so he was kind of explaining to me, like, basically, like, my left femur kind of pokes out. And so, like, he was just explaining how they tried to just, like, tap it in with just a bare, like, a thin little piece of whatever type of equipment that they used. And it it just, like, bounced back. And he was like, there's just nothing that we could have really done to avoid that. So... He was in charge of that, and then also my right patellar tendon because that was just that was on the the right side with the bones, and he took care of that. He would he would just constantly would tell me, um, like, it, it your patellar exploded, like your tendon it ruptured so bad, like we basically had to just like put that thing like back together. Um, like he just he was he was just cool. He was like a younger doctor, and like we kind of kind of developed a relationship in one way um on my way to one of my surgeries i'm getting rolled in and one of the doctors or one of his either doctors assistants nurses that was in the surgery was like what kind of music do you want to listen to and i was like i'm not really sure i don't really care like nothing specific like it was kind of like a trip i was like are they really asking me like what kind of music I want to listen to as I'm about to go into surgery, getting wheeled into like this white room, you know, all the equipment's everywhere. And it's the last thing that's really on my mind. And so anyways, uh, the guy just, he pulls out just a random CD or whatever, and he puts it in and it's just, it sounds, it's just like, like I just hear like this faint kind of noise as I'm like fading out almost. And I can kind of like recognize the artist's voice and like, I'm kind of like, okay, like, I kind of am familiar with this, kind of familiar with this, and, like, that's what's on my mind as I'm about to go into a surgery, is I, like, I hear this song, and I'm, like, obsessed, so literally the first thing I do when I wake up is, that's the, that, as I'm, I'm trying to figure out what song that was, I'm, I'm asking nurses, like, I remembered it after anesthesia, after my surgery, like, I was so set on it that that was the, that was just the only thing on my mind. I was asking everybody. I was having Ariel, my girlfriend, go down, asking sir, asking nurses. They were asking down to the office and texting people and trying to just figure it out for me. And I just kind of did some research, and I ended up finding it after, like, three hours of just searching on the Internet and doing research. My girlfriend Ariel came and visit, and I was like, babe, I'm just so obsessed with, like, trying to find this song. Like, that was, like, the only thing... I was just so happy, like the little things that kept me going, you know, like I'm sitting there, two broken legs, but I'm just like, man, like killing some time with like trying to find this song, like not even worried about anything else, you know, like that was kind of like the nice thing is I was able to find things that could kind of help take my mind off of the situation at hand and not necessarily have to think about that and just kind of like escape that way. And so I ended up finding it and I ended up buying it on Apple Music because 
I couldn't like figure out how to download it or something and I have no job, no money and I here I am spending a dollar ninety nine on a song just because I wanted it so bad. Um and it was just crazy, like just it's just the simple things that just make you so happy. Um and then uh so another doctor in the ICU specifically that played a ma- that played a major part was my stomach doctor and that was Dr. Garvey. So I was kind of like scared of her at first. Um, she was super intimidating, but she really was just the sweetest and she just wanted the best for me. Like she would just constantly tell me like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And like, she would just be like, it's all going to be okay. It's going to work out this and that it's all going to be okay. And so basically, um, they discovered fluid in my stomach after my leg surgery we're thinking it was some sort of scan because they were, you know, I was in and out of scans and not of surgeries kind of at the beginning, like I was saying. And so they noticed some fluid in my stomach. And so they cut me open. They saw that there was some loss of circulation to my colon. And so they wanted to see how long or they wanted to see if my colon could basically do it on its own, if it could bring it, if it could bring itself back to life. That's what the nurse was explaining to my family. Um, so they left me overnight, they left me open overnight, and this is when I'm in a coma, and at this time, like, the risk was, was the bag, like, I could have definitely had a colostomy bag, and that could, I mean, it it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but here I am at the time, 20-year-old kid, you know, and if I end up waking up and I have a bag to use the restroom, like, that's, I mean, I'm already waking up with braces and two broken legs and then I wake up with this and that and it's just like oh man so my open incision they didn't want it they didn't want to touch me they reiterated to my family like don't touch don't touch they didn't want to risk anything and so the next day after they found out uh after we found out that like the bag wasn't an issue none of that like they they uh they removed some of the colon because it did bring some parts of it back but some of it died and then they just stapled me shut and so aside from aside from like stomach surgeries on itself like i had a bunch of setbacks specifically in the icu so um i had to get an ng tube um which is a nasogastric tube which goes up your nose. It's just a tube that goes up your nose and into your stomach and it drains gastric contents and it just kind of like decompresses your stomach and gets out all of the unwanted fluid in your stomach, basically, essentially. And I remember the first time that they put that in and this thing, it's like, I mean, if you think about it, like your nose to your stomach, it's not the shortest distance. I mean, it's probably, it was over, I would, I would say it was over a foot of just like this tube that basically they stuck up my nose and it just went down into my stomach and just was draining it out. And so I just remember the first time they put that in, um, it was like miserable because I'm, I'm high as a kite. I already don't know what's going on. I'm confused. I got people trying to put stuff in me like up my nose. And so I remember I like pulled it out and they had to do it again. And that was just like the most miserable thing because I came to find out like the NG tube was just miserable. I just had a tube up my nose um, for weeks and that meant that no food or no drink. And I had TPN and fluid. Um, And so the TPN basically gave you all of like your essential needs, but it wasn't giving you anything extra. It prevented malnutrition 
And so, like, by the end of the hospital, like, before I was able to, like, actually eat, I lost so much muscle mass and so much bone density. Like, it was just, like, ridiculous. Like, I just, I looked, like, sunken in, like, almost. Like, it just felt like I was a completely different looking person. My diet was basically morphine and TPN. And let me tell you about the morphine. So, basically, when I crashed into the back of the semi-truck, I thought I killed someone. And I specifically thought that I killed the semi-truck driver. And I thought that he was in the room next to me. And the family, my family, like, reassured me constantly, like, um, that I didn't kill someone. And that the semi-truck specifically, like, took no damage. You know what I mean? So, like... I don't know what I, I was just tripping out like I and then I thought that someone was recording me next to me I thought in the room I thought they were recording me they had like a folder up and it they were like taking pictures of me and I was I don't know it's just I saw something and like I'm I'm completely out of my mind and looped up on drugs and pain medication and everything else but some of it feels so real and when I would, like, explain the story to people, it's almost like they could find truth in it, but it would be, like, a weird truth. Um, and so, like, specifically, like, the x-ray machines, they, one of them it was big and green, and it looked like the Sinclair dinosaur. For those of you that aren't familiar, there's a dinosaur at this gas station, Sinclair, and it's, like, the mascot, or, like, the logo or whatever. And basically, you can picture that trying to, like, come into my room, and I'm, like there's i'm like i'm like trying to like explain to everybody like there's an x-ray machine that looks like a sinclair dinosaur and they're like wait what like they thought i was like seeing dinosaurs but i was like no like it's the x-ray machine like i knew that but at the same time like i understood like where they were coming from and it was also uh they had like a star wars like cover on it i don't know for like kids and whatnot just like keep it fun keep it happy but like, that stuff was tripping me out. I'm sure for other people that it made them happy and it kept them at peace, but I was tripping out because I got Star Wars and dinosaurs coming into my room constantly, in and out, especially at the beginning, taking pictures, this and that, and I'm like, what is going on? And this one specific time, I'm laying I'm laying in the bed, and they're trying to bring the x-ray machine in, and I'm basically a pro at this point. I've seen dudes wheel it in, in and out, and I'm like, I can handle this. And so I'm, like, trying to get out of bed. My legs are in braces. Keep in mind, they're broke, both of them. And I'm trying to, like, slide out of the bed. I got, like, tubes and IVs all on my arms for the, you know, the fluid and the drug stuff. And then the TPN, everything. And, like, I'm trying to just slide out of bed. And I'm, like, calling out, like, like I'll come help you guys. Like, I got you. Like, I've done this before because it was a different guy bringing it in. And my nurse walks in. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, like, what? Are, like, you can't do this. And I'm like, I'm just trying to help. Like, I know what to do. Like, they, it's stuck and it's getting caught and I can help them do that. And, and I thought she was just being mean and I thought she was so rude. But honestly, she was probably just doing her job. Like, she's not going to let me get out of my bed or fall out of my bed with two broken legs. Like, that's probably not going to look the best on her. And one time uh, before I was signing for like the anesthesia paper before a surgery or whatever and she, this specific nurse was in there and I, I picked up the pencil with my right hand and I signed the paper with my right hand and Ariel 
Ariel looks at me, my girlfriend, and she goes, you're left-handed. And I just looked at her and cackled. And the nurse was just like, a scribble will do. It just needs to, like, acknowledge, basically. And so we were just like, all right, sounds like a plan then. And my motor skills were still struggling. Uh, my hands were still, like, way swollen from hitting the, sw- the windshield. Uh, they were they were the size of baseball mitts at one point. Like, they got that swollen. Um and so, like, I was just kind of, like, learning how to, like, use my hands again, almost. Like, it was so weird, like, picking up things and, like, uh, just, like, the simplest thing, like, a pencil or writing. Like, everything just felt so weird and it was so hard to do. Like, I'd never done it. Like, and who'd have thought that, like, that was, like, the the littlest of my worries. And so then I, I had the... I couldn't drink food and I couldn't drink water, but they gave me this suction tube, to be honest. I don't know how or why I got it specifically, but I know it was to kind of like help out with like my cotton mouth or whatever. And so it's like the suction tube, like a dentist office that they, they spray the water and they put that in, you know, same vibe there. And so that was like my toy. I was constantly swinging it around and like just being like destructive with it. And like, I like hit my girlfriend with it a few times, just swinging it around. I'm smiling. I'm putting it in my mouth, sucking on it. Like, I got like this little toy and I'm just so happy and I remember this one girl outside my room again I'm I'm on drugs I'm on morphine this happened I don't know how it happened or the way it was portrayed but this is how I remember it specifically um this this girl was right outside my room and like she was like can you shut up can you please stop she was like shut the fuck up like she got mad like excuse the language but she like literally got mad at me and was like yelling and she was like like and i don't and she like couldn't move i don't know like she was injured like this is the story's all weird and it sounds like a trip but she was outside my room she couldn't walk i don't know what the deal was so she had to have someone basically come lift her and pick her up and move her away from me because she physically couldn't stand me um could i have dreamt this whole thing possibly but i think if we check the cameras that would probably be the case and so at this time i had a slight physical therapy regimen um and like slight i mean like slight like they they put they picked me up they strapped me and lifted me up by a ceiling lift and so it's like this machine that's like connected and it brings it over and it they they push a button and it lifts me up and it moves me over transport it's like a crane essentially like for construction workers so they they transported my bot. They basically had to lift. They had to bring the ceiling lift closer to me than they had to actually transport me to the chair. Like the chair was like a foot or two away, um, and so they would just tra- They would transfer me to a chair, and that would basically be like my therapy. Just kind of like sitting in a chair, extending my legs, just like getting out of bed. Like I think it was more so just kind of getting me up, getting me moving, like out of the bed. Um, and so, like, it was, it just, it hurt me so bad. Um, I was constantly dripping sweat. I never lasted long, especially at the beginning. Like, after seriously five or ten minutes, I'd be like, okay, like, I'm ready to go back to bed. And they'd be like, are you sure? And I'm like, I physically cannot stand this. It hurt me so bad. Um, and so, they're, they're trying to get me to, like, transport with a slide board. Um, a slide board, just like this little board that, like, you kind of stick under your butt and then, like, stick it on, like, a wheelchair or, like, a car door to, like, slide in like people who don't have the use of like their legs like the bottom part of their body they use their upper body and just kind of like lift and slide their body over 
So at first, I couldn't use the slideboard, and they were trying to get me to do that so I could, like, get in and out of, like, my bed and get in, like, the wheelchair even to kind of go around some more. And my stomach incision hurt so bad, and, like, my muscles were deteriorating so bad that, like, I couldn't even lift up my body at the beginning when they were just constantly cutting in and cutting out of my stomach. And I, I didn't realize, like, how much, like, in pain and, like, how hard it was just to sit up and... When they were trying to help me out, they didn't realize how tall I was. All the nurses were like, how tall are you? Um, and I would just always be, I'm like, I'm 5'10". And they'd be like, what? And like, it all made sense because I, I would basically be like touching my toes at the end of every bed that I was in. Like, I, I did not fit at all whatsoever. And then uh, another time during therapy, I thought one of the regular therapists was my brother. Like, the lady has been there a few times, and she, like, I don't know what happened. It was just one of those days, I guess. And so my brother at the, well, he still is, like, at the, he was he's underage. He couldn't come in. You have to be 18. So I couldn't see him, and so, like, I was tripping out, and I was just so happy. But it was it was literally this lady with dark hair and, like, streaks in her hair, and I was like, dude, when did you do that? When did you get here? How did you get in here? Like, like I was like, when did you dye your hair? Like, I was so confused. I was, I was like, this is my brother Jackson. I'm staring at him right now. And like Ariel's looking at me because she's in the room at the time, like giving me the look. And like the therapist is looking at her like, what do I do? Like, this is uncomfortable. And she ended up basically just leaving um, because I think it just – she probably just realized, like, I was just tripping out about the situation. Like, I was ignoring everything and just staring at her like, dude, Jackson, what are you doing here? How'd you get in here? What's up? You know? And so, yeah, she left and felt uncomfortable. And uh, I'll never forget this specifically. I'm, I'm on a chair during therapy one day, and a cop walks in, and Ariel's in my room. And so my Ariel, like, texted my mom and kind of, like, let her know. And my mom is texting Ariel, like, don't, like, let him speak without a lawyer present. Like, let him, like, like she's, like, basically, like, communicating this this whole time as I'm talking to the cop. So, like, it's almost like it was too little too late. Um, so the officer started questioning me, and he was like, what were you doing? Or, or what, were you, what were you driving? And I was like, uh, I was driving my work truck. You know, I work for True Green, this and that. Um, just do going doing my route and he was like how fast were you going and so I was like uh I was like well my truck goes 60 so I was probably going 60 and so I know that sounds bad but like those specific trucks are governed at 60 65 and so like basically like you're just footle on the pedal like when you're driving on a highway or a freeway for the most part because that's as fast as you can go and you got to keep up with traffic because that's the speed limit and so I'm like, like, I'm trying to explain, like, it's governed, it's governed, but I mean, the damage is already done and I'm on drugs and he's probably just like, oh, great. So here's that. And so, uh, he's like, did you know the speed limit? And I'm like, no, I would assume 60, like, cause that's how fast I was going. Like, I just kept reiterating, like, I was like, I was going fast, like I was going 60, like, but like, I don't think the perspective was really there because it just came off so, so wrong, I guess. And then he was like, were you texting? And I was like, no, um, He's like, well, uh, we found your phone across the highway, and the only way it would get there is if you were texting and it flew out the window. And 
I was like, I have like no, I was like, I nope, wasn't texting. Like, I don't know. I might have been distracted. Like, I don't know. And the thing is, is my cousin went and looked for my phone, uh, my work, my family. Like, everyone went up that canyon and was looking for my phone. So we're kind of wondering, like, how did the officer get it, like, before we even had a chance? And so uh, I'm, I'm basically, like, Ariel kind of, like, looks at me and, like, says something and, like, kind of, like, briefs me on, like, that. And I was just like, okay, like, I wanted to be done after. And then uh, he's like, are you sure you want to be done? And uh, he was like, yes. And after, like, so he basically, like, he read me my Miranda rights after he asked me my questions. So basically after I told him that I didn't, like, want to answer and I didn't feel comfortable answering, he goes, you have the right to remain silent, anything you say. And I'm like, even at the time, I was like, wait, he should have read me that at the beginning, especially, like, no lawyers present. I'm on drugs. Like, what, like, what, like, the audacity of someone to come in and question me about, a situation that like I'm sitting I have two broken legs and everything I got tubes and my everything like all this and like that's what we're questioning that's what we're talking about like that's what our biggest worry is and I'm like I'm just so confused and then you're gonna try and like paint me out as a bad guy and so right before he walks out I was like am I in trouble like I'm just so confused I don't I don't understand and he's like no you're not in trouble it's just part of the investigation and so I had that, and I basically just, from then on, I was a sketch ball. Um, every person that walked in the hospital, I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I was constantly checking to see, um, like, if the, like, if the cop was going to walk in. I was so scared. I thought I was going to get arrested. I thought I was going to go to jail. I thought I was going to have to heal up in the, ho- the prison hospital with two broken legs and, like, learn how to walk again in the jail because, like, Again, I thought I killed someone, this and that. The cop comes in. I'm sketched out. And so that was just that was just the fun part of that. And that that concludes this week's episode. Um, we'll stay tuned for next week. I'm going to be transitioning out of the ICU into kind of the less severe parts of the hospital. And then getting out of the hospital into therapy and just kind of like when the real journey starts. Um, I've got some big announcements coming and some more news coming soon. So... Stay tuned for that. Appreciate it.